it. Sometimes you just can't see when all your dreams are coming true. It's actually a line from Mujibu Dolls, one of their songs. And I put it up there because I feel like that's so true. We have this lamp in our crawl space, and we kept it, not because it's a great lamp or because we feel like we'll use it again someday, simply because this lamp is connected to a precious story about our older son. When Silas was younger and he had to do rest time during the day, he honestly didn't like to do rest time, didn't want to do rest time most often. And there was one time when his aunt was visiting or something was going on and he didn't want to be pulled out of rest time and we sent him off to rest time and he just shook his head and he was crying and he walked up the stairs and he was saying, my life is so sad. My life is so sad. And then there was one time when he got in trouble and Ann sent him up for a timeout. And it's like, go to your room, boom. You're gonna be up here. He was really upset and he shut the door and he was in there for a while, we heard him crying and, and he fell asleep. And when he woke up, it was a brand new day, right? Brand new Silas, really. And later on that evening, Anne was in the room and we were saying goodnight. She went over to turn off the lamp and she saw something. And so we've kept the lamp. She showed it to me later on. She was like, you have to see this. And Silas had found a pen. And while he was in the room, he had taken the pen and he had written on the lampshade. And he had written, Mom, I feel like you hate me. <laughs> yeah. So, I tell you those two stories about Silas because he was living at a time, a point in his life, when, honestly, a day felt like forever. Because in comparison to the, to the time he had existed as a human being, a day was a pretty significant amount of time. So a day could feel like forever. And honestly, everything felt like a big deal, too, all day long. Everything. So when he got in trouble or whether he had to have a timeout, it shifted his perspective. It shifted how he saw the world and how he, <laughs> he broke that. We were like, oh my gosh, can you believe it? It's not true, it's not true. When he wakes up, brand new day. He was drained, he was empty, he went to his nap, woke up, everything was better. It was good. Perspective is pretty important. In a world that constantly bombards us with everything that feels like pretty surface, it's a struggle to go deep. And last time we talked about carving out space and actually creating, and I use the glass as an example, creating the space in your life so that you can be filled up. Because we talked about your heart is almost being like a well, something that you have to dig, and then mysteriously and magically, it gets filled up. Sometimes you do things that you think are going to fill it up, they don't. Sometimes you participate in something that you never would have thought would fill your heart, and it does. What's important, though, is that you carve out the space. You create the well. You dig it, and you make it happen. So we talked about fillings last time. This time, we're actually going to talk about something else. Because I think we know what it is to live life on empty. It doesn't feel that great. It like doesn't help you see the truth it actually kind of distorts life a little bit. And you can end up writing a lampshade. Mom, I think you hate me. Or you can like act in ways and, and lash out in ways that aren't so great. But if you live life full, I think we know what that feels like too. And there's this joy and there's this freedom and there's this depth and meaning and purpose. And it feels a lot. So, if we take this glass, I've got it here. I want to fill it up. It's going to sit here full until I do something, but 
We're going to talk tonight, and I was going to entitle this talk, Fillings Part 2. However, as I got into it, I realized that this talk is more about being empty, or the idea that some things deplete what's in your heart and they take away from your energy. And so this notion of living in this constant balance and tension of, I'm going to carve out space to be filled up, but once I'm full, I have to choose where and how to spend that energy in my heart. That's what I have to do. And so I came up with this question, what's on tap? Because I feel like it's better than feelings part two. And we're going to talk about being empty. Ultimately, this question about what's on tap is, when you go to pour yourself out, when you go to give a piece of your heart, when you choose to spend your energy on something or someone, my question is, is it the best of you? Or is it just the leftovers? When you say yes to something and you feel like it matters and you're tapping into your heart, is what you're giving the best or is it just like you're almost empty? I've got a quick story for you. Um, my dad is a general contractor, and he's sawdust to this day. My next door neighbor yesterday was cutting some boards, and I walked outside, and I was like, Dad, you know? <laughs> like, I smell sawdust, and I think of my dad. Um, and I've been told that like great skills like that skip a generation, so I don't feel bad <laughs> that I can't build anything, or that in college I undertook building something, and I was struggling with adding up the numbers and figuring it. It just wasn't working out. I called my dad, and I'm like, Dad, this is killing me. And he's like, well, lay it all out to me, lay it all out to me. And he's like, he kind of laughs a little bit on the phone. He's like, I know what your problem is. He's like, a two by four isn't really two by four. And I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Why do they call it a two by four? So it's totally empty on me, void. Like, the skills have passed. But when I was 16 years old, a friend of mine, my dad had his building. He had finished building. It had its CEO. And, like, it, it's just sitting there. And, like, the person's waiting to move in. And so he was kind of taking care of it until people were actually going to move in because they were out of state or something. And so some weeds had grown. And my dad simply said, I need you guys need you and Tyler to go over, and I need you to cut all the weeds down. And we're like, that's awesome. It's a great job for us. We're 16. We can do this. So he gave me explicit instructions. He said, drive the truck over. In the bed of the truck, there's a handheld weed whacker. Use it to cut down the weeds. We said, this is great. We got it. So I'll finish truck. We go over. It's like 8 o'clock in the morning. We dive in. We're working hard. We're sweating. It's not a huge area. Um, let's say, I don't know, half of this room, maybe? Not huge. Just one of those hand weed whackers. And we're out there, and then I, there's two of us, there's only one weed whacker. This was a bad plan already. But, so I'm doing my job, and then I tap out, and I say, all right, get in, get in, Tyler. And then he's in, and then he hits his shin, and it's like bleeding, and then I'm like, oh, dang. And then I get in, and then I hit my shin. <laughs> We're wearing shorts that wasn't smart either, but we're out there and we're doing this. And around one o'clock, so you do the math. Around one o'clock, my dad calls and says, What is taking you guys so long? And I'm like, Well, we're working as hard as we can, and we're just not done. All right? So 
that's, that's all there is to it. He says, well, I'm going to come pick you guys up for lunch. And so my dad drives up, <coughs> and he gets out of the car, and he looks at us, and we've both got, like, beaten up legs, but we're pretty proud of how far we've gotten. We're not done. It might take us all day. And he goes, what are you guys doing? I could have had this done, like, an hour and a half? Like, what is happening? And so he walks over, and we show him the tool that we've been using. <laughs> and uh, my dad just about dies. Just about dies. Now, that's a tamper. <laughs> and it's heavy, and it's freaking dirt, like flat. You like slam it down. And we had this thing out there, and as awkward as it was, we're just like swinging, like nailing the weeds. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but my dad said, drive the truck over, use the tool that's in the back of the truck, and cut down the weeds. It's a hand weed whacker. This is a hand weed whacker, by the way. Something more like this, right? Actually, has a blade. <laughs> that helps. All of it helps. And my dad died laughing. Died laughing. Turns out there was no weed whacker in the back of the truck. So not entirely our fault, but we're still kind of stupid. <laughs> and the reason I tell you this entire story is because what a waste of time and energy. Oh my god. Like, horrible. It was awful. Like, and we were done for the day, too. I mean, we were like, I don't want to work anymore. Like, my arms, I can't even function. It was horrible. I don't know if there's anybody in this room that likes to waste time and energy. You can just raise your hand. We'll all be calling you later. We'll enlist you for certain things. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes to waste time and energy. So tonight, when I talk about your heart, and when I talk about you giving the best of yourself, and if you're full, what's inside of you? We're going to call this sacred energy. We're going to call it sacred energy because the word sacred actually means worth protecting. And when you're full and you have perspective on the world and you see the truth and you can live in that joy and meaning and purpose, that's worth protecting. That's worth protecting. It's worth protecting because you're limited. I hate to tell you, you're limited. Like, I can pour this glass out and eventually it will become empty. There's only so much in there. There's only so much of you to go around. You can't do everything. You're limited. And that sacred energy in you, what makes you you and operate and like be the best version of you, that's worth protecting. Okay? Now, let me also say, since we're talking about just a little bit of this wasted energy. I just have to throw this out there because I heard someone say it once and I think it's amazing. If you're in the room and you have kids, any time you spend with them is never a waste of energy. Never. Like, it could be the lamest, dumbest thing in your opinion. It's not a waste of energy. That's energy well spent. So I was just going to throw that in there fast. So my question is, what taps you out? What taps you out? There's gonna be several things, like through your life, like every day, you're out there and from school to work to friends to like Snapchat to whatever it is, these things tap you out. They come along, you're living the full good life, and then along comes something and it starts like draining you. You start pouring out. 
whether it's your job, whether it's school, friends, maybe it's that stranger or those chores that you didn't get done, maybe it's family coming to visit, maybe it's the real danger, Netflix, maybe it's like <laughs> something out there, but regardless, your situations, your experiences, the people in your life around you, they constantly tap into you and you're poured out. So I'm not saying like what taps you totally out, I'm just saying what taps you out in a week? Think about it. Every day, you wake up and something's tapping into you and taking away that sacred energy. All day long, you're pouring out your heart in both known and unknown ways. It's happening. Sometimes you don't think it's happening, and it is. And too often, we never think about the what. You never stop to think about it. It just happens. And you never think about the what. So tonight, I'm going to have you think about the what a little bit as I talk. What taps you out? Some things tap you out faster than others. Some things tap you out and mysteriously fill you back up at the same time. Part of getting older, I think, is the responsibility for you to determine what those things are. You're supposed to figure that out. You're supposed to say, okay, what taps me out? How does it happen? And what should I allow to tap me out? And what shouldn't I allow to tap me out? Most likely, somehow, it's unique to your gift of life, like how you're hardwired, your DNA. So your energy could be well spent doing something that could simply drive me out so fast. Or I could participate in something that might just tap you totally out. It's unique to who you are and your DNA. So I think it's good attention to learn what taps you out, how it taps you out. Does it tap you out fast, slower, or does it even tap you out yet circle back around and fill you back up somehow? Those are important questions to think about and ask. Some things in the end are unavoidable, right? In the end, sometimes you can't avoid something to tap you out. Sometimes you can. I've got a son who is always, always troubled by making decisions. I don't know if you are that kind of person or if you know anyone else who does that. But if he has a sum of money in his pocket and we walk into Target, instead of like a revolving line of credit, it's a, it's a done deal. He's got a certain amount of money in his pocket and he's standing in the aisle and he looks at the shelf, he really wants it all, right? And then so he started asking questions. Well, you've got $7. What would you like to buy? I don't know. I mean, I could get this thing over here. I could get those two things. If I get those two things, I can't get this thing. If I get this thing over here, I can't get this thing. I'll never be able to afford that thing. No, you won't. Not if you spend your money today. <laughs> and he like stands there and he's just frozen and frustrated. He knows that if he says yes to something, that means saying no to something else. And it's a terrible dilemma every time we go to Target. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. So here it is. Yes and no. Yes and no. It's your life. It's your sacred energy. And you get to say yes or no. You choose how you give of yourself, your heart, your energy, your life. 
Remember, there's only so much of you until you're empty. You can't say yes to everything. You're limited. There's not enough of you to go around. Some things are avoidable. Some aren't. So you have to be able to say yes, but you also have to be able to say no, even to good things. I've been an MC lots of times. I don't know what it is, but people call me. And sometimes, I'm just going to go there, I've been MCs for things that I should have had no part of. <laughs> like, absolutely. <laughs> In my whole opinion, I shouldn't have been a part of that one. Why? Because it's not my cause. It's not my passion. It's not my thing. It pulled me away from my family when I didn't want to be. It took time out and energy and preparation that honestly, even though it was a good thing, I should have said no. But I didn't. And why didn't I? Because I felt like I couldn't. I felt like I shouldn't. I was in this place and I felt like maybe it's my responsibility. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do this. But ultimately, in the back of my mind was like, you should probably say no. But I didn't do it. And I said yes. For the things that are avoidable in your life, because some aren't, I get it. Most of us would say no to work. I get it. <laughs> but some things are avoidable. Those are the things that I want you to think about tonight because those things tap you out. They are avoidable. And you get to choose whether or not you say yes or no to them. It's up to you. It's your responsibility. You choose what to say yes to, what to say no to. You decide where you're going to pour out your sacred energy and where you won't. Sometimes the things you say no to are really, really, really good things. And that's okay. That's okay. If you're like me, the harder thing is to say no. So I, I know everybody says this. We always start with yes and then no. Have you noticed that? When people say, so we're going to switch it. We're going to say no and yes. Sounds a little awkward. You'll probably fumble on it a couple of times. But from now on, when you have these two words separated by the word and, I want you to say no and yes. Simply because putting no first says, okay, wait, that's an option. Oh, okay, wait, wait, wait. No is an option. I got it in my head, it puts the emphasis on no a little bit more. It says, hey, hey, you can actually say that. That's okay. Oh, it's something good. No, you can still say no. You can do that. Saying no gives you the freedom to say yes when it matters most. I'm going to say that one more time. Saying no gives you the freedom to say yes when it matters most. I'm in the wedding business a little bit right now. I'm officiating weddings a lot. Been doing it this summer. Um, also taking on real estate, so I'm very excited about that. But in the wedding business, I had someone call me yesterday. Yesterday. And um, she left a voicemail. She didn't give the date, right? And then she simply says, call me back, call me back. So I call her back, and I leave her voicemail because she doesn't pick up. And I said, hey, I just want to let you know. Um, my December, fully booked. My January, fully booked. And then she called me back, and I answered the phone, and she goes, geez, um, I must be operating really far ahead. And I was like, why? How far ahead are you booking? And she's like, like, 
a year and a half out, <laughs> and she's looking for a wedding officiant. I was like, I don't know, I guess you're just being smart. Like, you're trying to get it locked in. But in the back of my head was rolling, man, if I say yes to this, a year and a half out, I have no clue what I'm doing on that date. <laughs> I think I want to keep it open, man. Like, I don't know. I'm just going to keep that date open, shall we? But saying no gives you the freedom to say yes when it matters the most. When it matters the most. I recently bailed on DJ. So if you need some lights, they're for sale. If you need a wireless mic, uh, uh, I got a really good one. Um, some speakers, you know, things like that. But here's why I bailed on DJ. Man, the setup, the preparation, the event itself, Tony, right? Tony went with me on one of these yeah. gigs. We went to the gig where no one was dancing. I talked about this <laughs> earlier this year. Like, it didn't matter what song you played. No one danced. It was that crowd. And they were okay with it. They are like, you guys are awesome. You guys are great. No one dancing all night long. Just breaks your heart. Breaks your heart, man. But it's DJing, the prep, the setup, the teardown, the event itself, and then the aftermath. Oh, it was incredible to feel that this summer and to go through it. And in the end, I hate to say this out loud, but the version of me that it created, I didn't like. Like, I would come home and I was so tapped out. So tapped out. I just couldn't, couldn't stick with it. I couldn't make it happen. Um, not to mention the fact that like, you're trying to prepare music for people and I'll tell you what, Man, I had this one guy, he didn't give me a list until the day of the wedding reception. And I was like, what? That's crazy. And then when I prepared all those lists and got to the wedding reception, his brother, the best man comes up to me, he's like, don't play any of that. He's like, nobody here will dance to it. I'm like, what? <laughs> he was like, you better play country. Country. And he was like, none of that Nashville stuff. Texas country. I was like, I don't even know the difference. <laughs> Come on, man. You're leaving behind her. Like, this thing starts in two minutes. It was crazy. <laughs> DJ. Oh. The difference between no and yes sometimes is the difference between the best version of you and the totally tapped out version of you. So the difference between saying no and yes can result in you being full and being the best version of you, or over here can be the totally tapped out version of you. And then sometimes when those things come along that you want to say yes to, you can't. You want to, but you can't. And I have one story about that, but it's coming up in a second. I want you to know that you need to give yourself to what matters. You need to ask the question, what taps you out and then once you figure out those things, you need to look at that list and re-examine it and say, okay, the things that are tapping me out, what should I be saying yes to? What could I be saying no to that would actually help me to live more full, that would actually allow me to give the best of myself to the things I need to say yes to? And while I'm on that, I'm just going to say there's what happens out here and there's also what happens up in here. And this is a place you really need to check yourself and say, all right, am I giving energy, sacred energy to things that just don't matter? What am I doing? What am I doing? 
Like, am I replaying that conversation over? Am I chasing down that rabbit trail? Like, if I thought about that when I could be thinking about this, up in your head, what are you spending that sacred energy on? I would encourage you guys to choose to be emptied by the things that allow you to be your best. Choose that which brings you life and sparks joy. If you're going to be tapped out, let it be the best version of you poured out on the things that truly matter the most. When I say what's on tap, I'm saying, is it your best self or is it leftovers? When that thing that comes along that you want to say yes to, what's on tap? Is it your best version? Is it your tapped out version? What are you going to be able to pour out? What are you going to be able to give to it? You need to figure out what taps you out. Then you need to figure out what to say no to. So when that yes comes along that you want to say yes to, you can pour out the right energy. Um, it's not uncommon where we live that people have several jobs to get by. Right now, it's not snowing. <laughs> but it's coming on Thursday at evening. And so some people are trying to find other jobs. Meanwhile, because they have a job that's postponed. It's not uncommon where we live for people to have multiple jobs just to get by. Last year I had six. It was crazy. I had never been in that place before, honestly. And last year, man, that's multitasking <laughs> at its finest. That's learning how to juggle your work and your family. That puts you in this place, and I have to admit, last year, was hard. It was very hard. In the sense of, I had said yes to six jobs. And every single one of them tapped into me. And so you poured yourself out a little bit, and a little bit, and a little bit. And before I knew it, I felt like life was empty. Like that's just status quo. That's just the norm. And then when things came along that I did want to say yes to you, like something that I felt like could actually fill me up at the same time as tapping me out, I didn't have the energy to say yes. I didn't have the energy, and many times I didn't even have the space in my schedule. It's like, oh, that thing came up. I can't. Dang it. And then I still remember some nights, Amy was like, oh, so-and-so called you, they want to go out. I'm like, it's easier to say no. It's easier right now because like, I know that when I go out, it's not gonna be the best version of me. I don't think I can handle to be around those five people when I can't give who I really feel like I am. I'm so bone dry right now. I think we know empty too well. I think we know my life is so sad. When that perspective shifts and you live from that place. We know how it distorts our perspective on life, how it keeps <coughs> us from seeing our dreams coming true, how it prevents us from being the best version of ourselves. I think we know that. Now obviously, you can't say no to everything. I get it. I wish we could sometimes. You can't say no to everything. 
there are going to be things you have to say yes to. You have bills, you have responsibilities, you have, you know, a life. However, I encourage you to look at your days and weeks and take a hard look at what taps you out. Perhaps there are things you should be saying no to in order to protect your sacred energy and live in more fullness. Again, it's the question, what taps you out? What drains you and fails to fill you back up? What do you need to say no to so that when the good life-giving thing comes along, you can actually say yes? So until next time, friends, may you go this week and the next, and may you be mindful of your yeses and your noes. May you protect the life and energy within you because it's sacred. Reserve it for the yeses that matter most in your life. May you give yourself the permission to say no as often as possible so that you can live filled and full and discover a rhythm of life that taps you out in all the best ways possible and even fills you back up. Amen. That's this evening. Here's what I want you guys to do, though. There's glasses on the back table. These glasses are for you. If you came and you didn't get one, if you forgot last time, take one this time. If you took one last time, don't take another one. <laughs> but this glass is for you. And hopefully you can shove it in a cabinet, you can keep it, and you can be reminded of these two talks. Filling, and then the idea of what's on tap. What's on tap? Is it the best version of you? Is it the leftover? gotta learn how to say no. That's at me, too. You know what I mean? We've gotta learn how to say it so we can say yes when it matters most. Yes to all the things that give you life and bring you joy. So, we'll be back here in two weeks, correct? The 6th. The 6th. December 6th, and then December 20th, I believe, is the final one of 2016. 